my my kind of advice for everybody anytime people ask is just to read like read more everything hello ukramedia family vladimir praknevsky here and welcome to another episode of the ukramedia podcast where it is my mission to introduce you to as many talented motion designers as possible and today's guest is zach lovett zach is an la-based tool developer technical director and an online instructor at school of motion he created several well-known scripts like flow and explode shape layers in other words zach is everywhere and in this episode we talk about zach's creative journey covid19 and a bunch of other stuff so without any further ado here's my conversation with zach lovett enjoy hey zach thanks so much for coming on the show man i appreciate you doing this no thanks for having me this is a strange time and this is a fun Fun, something different. Speaking of strange times, now you live in Los Angeles. Let's let's talk about current events right now. What, what's it like right now in LA? Right. So it is uh, late March 2020, and I think today it was announced that things like the beaches and hikes and all of this is closed as of today. Before it was, you know, stay inside, don't go to events, but you can still get out and do things. Just keep your distance. And now it's like, no, no, just, just don't, don't do anything. Man, so, okay, what is it doing to the motion design industry? I'm just curious, like all the buddies that you have in LA, are people out of jobs? Some are, yeah. Uh, staffers are all working from home. Contractors, freelancers, maybe they've got projects, but it seems like a lot of people work has sort of disappeared. Uh, there are a few small, tiny boutique shops that are at risk of closing, just because there's no work for them anymore and they can't sustain not working for this many months. Man. So, yeah. Crazy. And the crazy thing about this is this is worldwide. I mean, it's happening everywhere. And I'm curious, like, how much longer this is going to be and what kind of side effect this is going to have on the motion design industry. Now, for some people, like, for example, I know you're scripting a lot. You're selling a lot of stuff on A scripts and we have a lot of scripts as well. So maybe it's a good... Uh, you know, good time to start venturing into some passive income, uh, some kind of alternative source of income. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it definitely helps as a buffer. But one thing is that if people don't know if they'll have jobs in a month, they're not spending money. True. And studios aren't spending money on stuff like that either. So I've kind of seen a drop in training courses, script sales, just everything is slowing down financially. Man. But it's a good time to learn how to make scripts and do tutorials and all of that. So I'm just curious. So we, I've gotten several emails from people that have lost their jobs. And it's interesting. One guy who actually, we have like, you know, you can download our free scripts and then you can donate money, you know, yeah. a, a, like a tip jar. And it was interesting because this guy uh, like donated money, but then he said, this is, I'm sorry, I wish I gave you guys more, but I just lost my job. And I'm like, wow, this guy is so generous. You know, you didn't have to do that. Yeah. And, you know, I reached out to him. I was like, dude, whatever you want in our store, you let me know. I'll be more than happy. You know, what, anything we can do for you to get you back in the marketplace. But what, what, what are your, what's, what's something, what advice would you give to someone who just lost their job and then their motion design field? What, what would you tell that person? Ooh, uh, it's hard. I would say... Now is a great time to build an online community. Uh, I'm really big on that, making contacts, friends, networking without the hustle side of it. It's just you have time now and you have a whole lot of people in a shared context. It's a really good time to make those friends and build that network so that you can collaborate on client work or personal projects, build that portfolio, learn the skills, and 
yeah, it sucks not having work, but if you can float it, just think of it as an investment in yourself. You've suddenly been given this gift of time, <laughs> you know? Well, let's let's go ahead and dive in and uh, talking about your creative journey. I'm curious to find out, like, where did it all start for you? How, go as Ooh. back as you can. Yeah, so I... Um, my start in motion came about accidentally. I dropped out of college and I ended up working on film sets. Wow. Doing okay. graphic design for the art department. Like the characters holding or looking at a poster. Somebody has to design that or they pick up a peanut butter jar. And eventually it came to a point where they had to watch the weather on TV. And so I had to figure out, well, how do you make something that moves? So it's like learning Flash. I think I was looking at the old Make It Look Great series from Motionworks. Nice. Of just like learning about animation and stuff. And from there, I did some VFX stuff, worked as a compositor for a few years, but really stuck to motion design for quite a while before transitioning now into this technical director role. I'm curious about, you said you dropped out of college. What was your major? Oh, it was... The course title was Game Development and Entrepreneurship, which doesn't mean a lot. It's effectively like multimedia with a slant on game, the game industry. But at that point, it was a brand new program. It was a four-year undergrad, but nobody had graduated yet. So they were figuring things out. I hear now, you know, 10 years later, the program's great. But at that time, it was so rocky. I was commuting over an hour and a half each way. It was just, it was a ton of, I didn't see I was getting much out of it. So I just decided near the end of the first year to leave. And so I just left. Any regrets? No, uh, no professional regrets. Socially, yes. I see the friendships and connections made in those contexts, but that's it. <laughs> now, expressions and scripting, all of that, how did that come about? I think the first expression stuff I really focused on, I was doing some work for a broadcast TV network and they were doing these lower thirds where, or like little stings saying 9 p.m. this show, 10 p.m. that show. And the artists there, the staff artists who are very competent, but they're not used to working fast like a freelancer needs to, they were doing everything manually. So at that time, before Master Properties existed, I was building these expression systems to very quickly look at the name of the comp so you could just duplicate the comp, rename the comp, and it would update all the graphics in it. So sort of this like frustration at working slow and inefficiently led me to explore expressions to kind of be smarter, be faster. And, you know, I'm lazy, so I just want to find these shortcuts in my work. It is funny. I guess sometimes when people people are lazy, they come up with some beautiful things, right? Alternatives. Oh, absolutely. Now, scripting. I mean, it's totally, for, for creatives, coding in general is just a nightmare. You know, most creatives, are, most people are either one way or the other. Was it hard for you to transition learning code? No, I, I think it was hard to learn the stuff that was specific to After Effects. And over the past, I don't know, like, eight years, I've gotten a lot better at learning best practices and the rationale behind a lot of what I was seeing, but it's it's a skill like any other. It's I think for me, though, I'm not a great creative. I'm kind of bad at being creative. <laughs> I'm so much better at executing. Like, I love working with someone who's better at creating and concepting than I'll execute the idea. And then eventually that became building the system that makes it easier for an artist to execute the idea. So if someone made some awesome style frames, they had no idea how to make it happen, they'd pass that to me to build 
the particle rig or build the project setup. And eventually that sort of mentality lends itself really well to scripting and expressions where, yeah, you're coding, but it's still, how do you build a system to do a task? And that's really what it comes down to. Now, what advice would you give to someone who is wanting to learn expressions? What's the first step? Ooh, I think the first step is have a goal. Like look at something you want to make and then figure out how to get there. Otherwise, you're just left with this little text box of JavaScripty code and you have no idea what goes in there. But when you have a target, then everything you do or work on can lend itself to that aim. I'm curious, what was your very first script? And uh, what was it like when you received that first payment for, for that script? <laughs> so I think my very first scripts, I think to date, you know, six or seven years later or something, the earliest ones have probably earned me like $200 in all that time. So they haven't earned a lot. But there were things like, I had one early one still up on a scripts that will... It will group all of your project items by like file size or by resolution. Because I was running into this issue where I'm trying to figure out why the project's so slow, and there's just no way to easily filter in After Effects to say, give me every file bigger than two gigabytes. So I wrote a little script for that, like a super little thing. And then I think there was one for like trimming your comp length so you don't have to automatically, you don't have to manually shorten the head and tail of empty space, little utilities like that. But when you get this, the payment for them, that's sort of this gratifying moment. But in the early days, it was it was really low, like a few dollars a month. And that's just really nice. Not necessarily as a, it's not the idea of, wow, I could live off this. It's more like my work is validated. I'm doing this after hours around my client work, staying up super late, learning this weird programming shit. But people like it. Okay, interesting. And that's a very gratifying moment. And then, so how many, I was trying to count how many you've done. It's, it's quite a bit. How many have you, have you put together? I don't know. <laughs> you lost track. It's a good problem yeah, to have. You I, know? It is, but it's sort of, well, I'm just going to stop talking up. for a second. Look this up. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious at this point. I think it's like well over 17. So I think there's maybe 12 or so on AU scripts that are under my name. There are a bunch that I've collaborated with other people but they're not public that I worked on them. And then there are dozens for clients because a lot of my work is direct to client scripting. But publicly, yeah, I think there's there's about 12 that I am taking public credit for. (laughs) Fair enough. 12, man, that's quite a bit. And no point, you're not going to stop anytime soon. Are you working on any like cool ones in the near future? Yes and no. It's a little tricky. One issue with these commercial scripts is that you'll get something like uh, Flow or Explode Shape Layers, which has sold, it sells very well. People like them, people buy them, and that pays my rent. And you get other ones that I'll spend so many hours on, months on, maybe over a year on and off. I put it up for sale and it just flops. And most of my scripts earn very, very little money. And so it's hard to dedicate all that time when there's no real guaranteed income, no matter how useful I might think the product is. Hmm. It is interesting kind of how, you know, just watching my twin brother, Sergey scripting and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like being an artist or being a musician. You know, you write this song you think everyone's going to love and then it's like it's not performing well. Well, that one song you didn't think was going to do well, all of a sudden everybody wants that song or listens to that song. It's kind of like, I feel like in the same way with 
uploading scripts, it's like, oh, I did not think people were going to like this one over that one. Or you just, you think that they're all going to be great, but at the end of the day, some get more downloads, others get not as much. So, I mean, exactly. And that could probably drive you crazy, right? Just trying to project for for the next script. You just kind of, how do you come up with ideas? Is it, do you poll people or is it something that, you know, you personally struggle with, like a certain problem you try to solve and then you just uh, publish it? Like, where do those ideas come from? So that, that's a mix. I have some of them are things that people have explicitly asked for. They're like, hey, this workflow doesn't exist or it's very annoying. <laughs> Others are things that I've been at studios and I see that they need. And so I'm like, look, I can build this for you and here's my day rate for a month or I'm going to build this and put it up for sale and you can buy it for $30. So there's sort of that model. There's also some that are just sort of these nebulous ideas or things I want to try. And then just by merit of me exploring them, I'm like, okay, well, this is sellable. I can turn this into a product and sell it. And maybe I won't make a a ton, but, you know, $5 a month is still $5 more than nothing. Amen to that. Now, you, you mentioned client work. So you're still doing a lot of client work these days, right? These days, being COVID-19 days, things have <laughs> slowed way down. Gotcha. But before this, yeah, I there's always a need for this, where studios, in the motion design industry, pipeline departments aren't really a thing. In VFX, they're a massive part of the infrastructure. Talking from Nuke to Maya and Houdini and the renderers, all of that is so robust in VFX. In motion, nobody really thinks about, hey, our Photoshop artists need workflow tools or our After Effects designers. Like, there just doesn't exist that realm. And so that's kind of where I slot in, where it's like, hey, your artists are running into frustrations that we can fix or your pipeline can be more efficient. Like, we can make this happen. And that's kind of where I come in in those projects. Oh, that's pretty cool. So you work with, like, figure out their workflow and try to simplify things. Yeah. That must yeah. be fun. Do you enjoy that kind of it's, work? I love it. I So I don't take any more artist work. I haven't for a few years. And I've just found that this sort of thing, I am good at it, or at least I, I feel like I'm good at it. And it's so fulfilling. It's this mix of challenge of what is the task you're trying to do, or even what are the artists having trouble with, and what can we build to make it better? And then you see the artists using these tools, and it's just, to me, this really cool, exciting moment of people being like, whoa, like, holy shit, you've just made my life easier. And I, I live for those moments. It's just the coolest thing. Man, that's awesome. And speaking of client work, let's take a little turn. And I'd love for you to talk about your darkest moment working with clients uh, or any projects in general. It doesn't have to be just you know working directly with a client, but tell us the worst moment in your creative journey. I'd love to hear what it is. Yeah, I. so right when I came out of deciding I wanted to do motion years ago. I think I emailed every studio in Toronto where I'm from. And I heard like, you know, maybe like 30 odd emails. And I heard literally zero. Like I heard nothing. Nobody got back to me. And that sucks. (laughs) Right. And then years go by. I moved to another city, Montreal. And then I moved to LA a few years ago. And when I'm moving to LA, I emailed like a ton of studios, you know, maybe 40 something studios. And I heard nothing. And I'm thinking, you know, this is six years into a career and I'm still hearing nothing. Like that just hurts. Now, it wasn't a huge deal necessarily because I still had 
I had plenty of work ongoing with freelance remote clients, but just this idea of you kind of have this idea of where you are in your career or work. And just to hear nothing at all is this really sobering moment of, okay, maybe things need to change or shift a bit. But that's, yeah, mentally very low. Now, what did you learn from, from that experience? At the moment, I think I just learned, it was more solidifying that my motion and design skills were not necessarily up to par, especially in a competitive city like LA. Or that's what I took from it at the time. But over the next year, those studios that I emailed were starting to get back to me to say, hey, you've been on our freelance roster. Are you available next week? And I think it's just a different way of some cities working where here they're more like, they're not going to answer your email. They'll just say, oh, you're a freelancer. Here's your reel. We'll add it to our list and we'll call you when we need you. Interesting. But they won't tell you that. And so that was something I kind of came to understand a bit later. And then now that I've been in LA for over three years, I'm seeing more that it's not just a matter of you can't just email a studio necessarily and expect work. You need to really know somebody there or have an in to talk to somebody. You need to have that personal vouch to really make an impact on a company. Hmm. I'm curious. So do you think you're going to stay in LA for, LA for a while, even with the, all this coronavirus stuff going on? That's hard to say. I don't see myself being in LA permanently. Like this isn't a city that I want to have a family in and retire in. As a Canadian, I have the ability to go back home. But for now, LA is a great place for me. Uh, for me and my, my girlfriend, it works. It works well for us. We're both succeeding and growing in our career. We have great friends. The weather's awesome. Yes, it so is. So we'll be here for a little while. But it's hard to say how much uh, COVID will affect this. Oh, man, it looks like it's affecting everyone. I just saw Grant Cardone, you know, that uh, business dude that I follow. Man, he just laid off like 44 people. He's like in hideout and all these different people are dealing with all these different things. Obviously, the grocery store industry is doing really well <laughs> and the toilet paper <laughs> industry and all those other guys. Yeah. Uh, but I was flying from uh, Dallas-Fort Worth Airport uh, last week and my airplane was like half empty. I can't imagine the airline industry doing well or anything that has to do with travel. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Now, but let's shift gears and talk about your best moment in your creative journey. I'd love to hear about that moment. Yeah, I well, I mean, kind of as a contrapoint to the worst moment, I think being in LA and starting to get reached out to, even out of the blue from some of these studios where they're just like, hey, we've heard your podcast interviews. We know your products. We really need your help. Like, what can you do for us? So that's sort of... That's the flip side. That's this awesome moment where you're like, okay, maybe all these late nights and all this work isn't for nothing when these studios that I've been looking up to are now reaching out to me out of the blue just to be like, hey, we like you. We want to work together. How can we make that happen? And that's just this very validation or this very validating moment that is rare, but I love that feeling. No, and right now you you so you just recently created a course for let's see what's how what's it called? It's expression session, right? Ex yeah, expression session. So you created for School of Motion. What was that like creating? Is this your first course? Yeah, so it's my first digital course. I taught at a college in Toronto for a few years, just like an intro to After Effects. But this is a much bigger endeavor. I co-taught this with my friend Noel Honig out of New York City. So we had to figure out, for one, we're the first course from School of Motion with two teachers. So that was a new workflow. We're three time zones apart. 
So that was something. And this is such a technical, dense topic. A lot of the school emotion courses at this point are very tangible results. It's, you know, illustration for motion. You learn to be a better illustrator. You learn better C4D in that course or how to animate better. This one is, we're going to teach you something that's sort of hard to quantify. It's like an intro to programming, but also an intro to how to think about motion design projects in a modular way, break it down into steps, and how to make your work more efficient. So there's the vague nebulous goals, which was a challenge in like building a curriculum for. Wow. I mean, hats off to you for doing that because my twin brother put together an expressions course and I remember I I almost watched him. Well, I think he was in tears and (laughs) just working (laughs) on that course. And man, it's such a hard, like you said, it's, there's not like an end result where, you know, animation, you just create this kind of like a tutorial course where in the end you're going to learn how to do this. And it's, uh, this, this awesome thing, but it's, uh, it's kind of, I remember Sergey struggle with that. Just getting yeah. people excited about code in general. You know, most creators are not <laughs> excited about oh, it's, coding in general. It's so hard, especially for people that kind of have been going for years and years without it. And it's hard to tell them that, you know, like, yeah, you're a rock star in what you do, but you can do this better. You can work smarter. And that's just the content. But the actual process of making the course, it was it was hard. Like, th- those were hard days. I think... You know, I treated my girlfriend to this big wellness package gift, just putting up with me. <laughs> she deserves and, it, right? After all that. Oh, absolutely. I think like the um, the partners of School of Motion teachers should have a, you know, <laughs> some sort of group support right. chat. Yeah. Well, and you, I mean, I'll, I'll go as far as saying you probably have the hardest topic to cover for the whole School of Motion. I mean, expressions is a, is a tough thing. And again, knowing firsthand what my twin brother Sergey had to go through, it's pretty tough. Now, do you think you're going to have more courses in your future? At this point, no comment. Um, <laughs> gotcha. It, it's really hard to say, though. Like right now with, with this global pandemic, everything is changing as far as what's going on. At least, you know, right now at the end of March, People still are probably finishing up the projects. They're still kind of trailing down whatever they're doing. So who knows what's going to happen in April or, you know, in six months' time? Who knows? Like, this is the most turbulent time that I can think of ever for this sort of freelancing entertainment industry. So we'll see. What are some things that you're changing in your creative work, your workflow to adapt with the times? Professionally, not a lot. I've been working from home for, I think, 11 of the last 12 years. So I didn't have to get used to how to work from home, how to build a home office. I had that. Like, I don't have a ton of free time that's extra now. What's different is more the mental state of everything, of everybody, the emotional state. It's this idea that working from home all the time, I really relied on being able to get out and be social. To, to counterbalance just being in my office all the time. And now I can't do that. So for me, something that I'm finding really important is finding those friends, that little pod of people to have video calls regularly, like every day or every other day, check in with somebody else, ask what they're working on, see what you're working on. And maybe just by reaching out and being more present, you can find some way to collaborate or spark new ideas or you know, have a burst of creativity because you're engaging with others you wouldn't normally engage with. So that's been a shift. 
that's a huge shift. Now, I'm curious to find out, because I have been working from home for a while, and uh, I'm curious to hear your response on this question. How do you balance work and personal life, especially working from home? Yeah, that's, that's always been a bit of a challenge. And a few years ago, I adopted this policy of, and it's a loose policy because being too strict, is just too much pressure. But my mornings are for me. I'll wake up, maybe go for a walk, take care of my email, maybe some personal domestic things, have lunch, go for a walk again, and the afternoon is my client time. And so that really helped have this balance of, I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to worry about work stuff getting in the way of life and life getting in the way of the work. But it also helps that I'm seeing someone who's a, a 2D animator. And so she understands the industry and she understands how that balance works. And I also, I'm at a point in my career where I don't need to work weekends anymore, which really, really helps ensuring I get some personal breaks from just the full-time work. You say you go for a walk. How, how many miles do you usually walk? Oh, I don't know. Like maybe anywhere from five to 30 minutes of walking. Like even oh, just wow. going outside helps so much. But put on a podcast, go so for a stroll. I was stroll, about to say, maybe. do you listen to anything when you walk? Oh, I listen, I listen to everything. Mostly <laughs> science and tech podcasts. Uh, but yeah. Are you big on reading books? Yes. I, my, my kind of advice for everybody, anytime people ask, is just to read. Like read more everything. I read, I, so I'm on Goodreads, which is a, a site where you can log the books you're reading, have like a wish list of stuff. I always set a goal. You know, I think this year I was conservative with maybe like 25 books a year. Usually it's closer to 40 or something. I, I read a ton. And it's mostly escapist. It's sci-fi. It's fantasy. It's general fiction. This year I'm doing a lot more business and self-help stuff. But usually I read more in the just something completely different. Interesting, because I was for the next question, I was going to ask you to share one of your personal habits that contributes to your success. Would you say it's reading? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'd say there's two. One is reading. And just to hammer this home for folks who might not get it, if you're a creative looking for concepts, you can only watch the same buck pieces so many times. Like you're not going to get new artistic ideas from it. But you've got the world's worth of books and different narratives and different experiences and stories that will give you so much more creative insight and thoughts and you know, input or insight rather into different people's opinions and thoughts and words and language than you will ever get from just watching the same 10 pieces on Vimeo over and over again. Like there's so much to be gained from reading just general fiction. And then there's also all the business and self-help and just advice books of different people's opinions other than those that you're kind of seeing in your bubble. But I think the other general habit is that I've always been really active with building and being involved in communities. So networking to me is go somewhere with a business card and very stiffly shake hands and swap cards or something. I hate that. For me, it's go to the motion events, go to the presentations, go to the design or the typography events, like something a little different than what you normally do, and just make friends with people. And those friends are going to be the ones that tell you about jobs that are coming up that you can collaborate with when you have a lot of free time or you'll go and just have friendships that aren't work people. So like that community is such an important thing. And I think that habit of putting in that work has really gotten me to where I am. Interesting. 
I like that because, you know, what's that saying? You're the average of the five people you spend most time with. And it is so true. Like, get around people that are so much more ahead of you. And usually, most people's networks are are much smaller than you think. And people pass work around all the time, you know? I mean, even from people in our community, like, people pass work around all the time. I get emails all the time. It's like, hey... Anybody wants this or that? So I think that that's great advice. If nothing else, I think going just networking with other people in the community is huge. Now for books, I'm curious, what's that one book that everyone should read in the community? So I, I'm full aware. I just said that I don't read a ton of business and self help, but despite that, the one book, if you're freelancing, it's called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. He's an ex-FBI negotiator, and it's a book on negotiating tactics and or like on the tactics of negotiating and just some anecdotes, probably fictionalized to some extent from his experience. But it's all about how to better control the situation and better just control the discussion. So even if you're not negotiating pay or timeline, it just gives you this more analytical, more one step removed mindset of how to handle discussions with anybody where you're trying to negotiate terms that I find so helpful and just everyday applicable as a freelancer. Love it, man. Now for, well, let me, I I was going to ask you this question, totally forgot, but let me go back to this question. I'm curious. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? That's hard. I I was actually talking about this with, um, Casey Lachulet, who you yeah, had I on love before. Casey. I met up with him in LA when I was at uh, WMAX. He's an amazing guy. Yeah, so I, I I think Casey's he's a close friend of mine here, and we were talking about this, the sort of 180 degree, completely non industry work. What would we do? And I was thinking, like, if I were just in a tiny town, running a little bookshop with a cafe, you know, a little town that has like a nice stream or river going through it. Something cute and quaint and away. Like that to me just sounds so peaceful. It's interesting. So you say away. Is it because you live in LA and there's so much movement? There's just a lot going on. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, on the flip side, though, whenever people ask where I'd move next, it's always, I think of big cities like Hong Kong or New York City. I love the urban density. I love the active. But maybe that's just it. It's the, this inner desire of, Fuck it, let's just get the furthest away from all of that we can. What's the? Uh, I think there's a saying in Russia. I'm originally from Kiev, Ukraine, from, from Eastern Bloc. And we moved here when I was 12 years old. But I love this saying that they used to say, the more I deal with people, the more I like my dog. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I don't even yeah. have a dog, but but I totally get it. Sometimes you just want to get away and just process everything that's thrown at you, especially in this fast-paced life that we, we live. Yeah. In. Especially in Los Angeles. like it's just crazy. I don't even know how you guys live there. It's just too much, so much it's to process. Yeah, and you're juggling so many different things and working from home, never leaving that space. Well, rarely, I guess you go for 30 minutes of walking. But <laughs> there's a lot to I think that's where all that is coming from is just this desire. And I have two kids. I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. And I come from a family of nine kids. So I never wow. had personal time growing up. So I, I'm like you. like that. When you describe that scene, I'm like, man, that sounds really good. <laughs> I, I, that sounds really good. Like a place where you can just sit down, read a book, and quiet time with a town with a stream. That sounds really awesome. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, really cool. Now, in closing, where can people go to find all your resources, all your scripts, and all that good stuff? So my my site is the easiest place, zacklovett.com. I've got 
you know, portfolio projects there, including all the commercial stuff. But I also have this little blog or tutorial section where now and then, as in once a year, I'll post some expression-y thing. But I also have these big roundup posts where I just give you a ton of links to where do you go if you want to learn expressions or scripting? And those are sort of these, like, I get asked those questions all the time. Where do I start? So I have these two posts there that just, I don't know, I think they're pretty useful of, you know, a bunch of learning, a bunch of paid courses, a bunch of free courses. And no matter what, you can always email me and I will take the time to help you out as much as I can and answer your questions. And a lot of my time is spent just helping out and answering people's questions. I'm so into that. Well, Zach, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on. This was fun. All right. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Zach. Make sure to check out Zach's website, ZachLovett.com, spelled Z-A-C-K-L-O-V-A-T-T.com. And as always, don't forget to join our free online mentoring group on Facebook at Ucremedia.com slash community. And make sure to check out our courses and scripts at Ucremedia.com. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Ucremedia podcast. Podcast. Bye-bye.